Let's turn again to the second epistle of Timothy, please. The second epistle of Timothy. This is a positive push in the right direction. We're going to do another part this morning. I trust to be finished this morning because next week we're having the Sunday school praise giving in the morning. But, listen folks, we want you to come out because we're going to be worshipping and breaking bread either before it or after it. I'm not sure what we'll work out yet. And we're going to have a prayer meeting as well among that too. After the, maybe after the praise giving, we'll, maybe the, some of the children can go out and we can have a time where we'll be praying for them and we'll worship and gather around the table and we'll have a time of prayer for them, okay? So we'd love to see us out at that anyway. And just to remember the Lord round the table also. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must first partake, partaker of the fruits, must first be, be first partaker of the fruits, pardon me. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. That's just by in a word of prayer. Father, we worship you and we love you. We love your Son, the Lord Jesus. He is everything to us. He's everything. He's our very life. He's every breath we take. He is our rising and our lying down. He is the reason for us to exist and to live. And we love him because he first loved us. But we love you, Lord, and we ask you, Lord, that you would now help us in this ministry and in this message. Lord, to speak to all of our hearts and to apply thy word unto our very lives, whatever way you deem it necessary. So have your way and may your spirit move from seat to seat. And may you move from heart to heart, Lord. Because, Lord, without you moving, without you taking your own word, Lord, this is flat. It's empty. Quicken your word to our hearts and glorify your Son for Jesus' sake. Amen. Last week we spent the whole meeting on verse 1 of our reading. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm not going to go through it again this morning. Simply because it was a full service, it was a full message, and I don't want to go through it all again. But being strong in grace is not a license to sin, but an endowment to walk in righteousness. And people today seem to have it the wrong way around, especially many preachers today have it the wrong way around. It's not a license to sin, but it is an endowment to walk in righteousness. Grace is when we do fall. I didn't say if, but when we do fall. Grace enables us to get up and go on. 
grace and abounds over our sinning because we're humans. We let the Lord down every day. And we all live in grace. So we, we won't do too much more about grace, but we remember we finish with, sometimes we come to the Lord as though he is a, 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 a meagerly, a stingily giving out or pouring out his grace. And we come with a cup in our hands rather than, as the writer said, a bucket. If I'd have known, she says, I'd come running with a bucket. Come running with a bucket means really just that they are coming, we are coming, you can come and I can come running to the Lord knowing of his full and free forgiveness that he loves us. And that in him we can move on in him. But this morning I want to look at our second point. Remember, all of the points are these. I'll just run through them. First of all, verse 1, we done, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This morning says in verse 2, and it's commit thou to faithful men. The third one is in verse 3, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And the fourth one is in verse 7, consider what I say. Now, the, the, the second one, commit thou to faithful men. Let's read the second verse. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. In other words, this wasn't Paul teaching or preaching in secret. This was known, what Paul had said. And he says, you've heard it. You have accepted it. Now look out for those who believe it, who will trust it, who will walk in it, and who will be of benefit for you, for the ministry, for the gospel. That's what he's saying, and, and commit it unto them. Commit what you've heard, commit what you know, because you know that they'll carry it out no matter what. And he says they'll be able to teach others. In other words, they will pass it on to other people. Your faith and what you are challenged with, brother, sister, what you get to know through your walk with Christ, what you're challenged with in every circumstance and situation, there's always a learning curve in it in God. There's always a spiritual message for you at the end of it. And sometimes it may be rebuke. Sometimes it may be chastisement. And sometimes it may be learning for our joy and our peace and other benefits. But notice this. He says, if you commit to faithful men, do you know what he's saying here? He says, commit yourself or what you know, this message. He says, commit it to those, watch your company. That's what he's saying. He's saying, who you walk with, who you talk with, who you associate with, will determine the depth of who you are. My brother, sister, listen. Who you walk with, who you talk with, who you and I associate with will determine the depth of who you are. If you walk around with the unsaved, you will start to act like the unsaved. And I'm talking about when you are fellowshipping with the unsaved, fellowshipping with them in the sense that you're fellowshipping with them and you're not working. We all must work with the unsaved to reach the unsaved. Not to reach out to the unsaved, but fellowshipping with them in our own personal time to partake of the things, to do the things, to listen to the things, then you are showing your own depth. 
because your devil is no further than them. In other words, the backslider is filled with his own way. The backslider is filled with her own way. They're filled with them, and they will do what they need to do. And if you are in their company, you will soon be going their way. They will not be coming yours. Doesn't mean to say we don't try and reach them, we don't love them. Doesn't mean to say we don't try and help them. But to spend our time going where they are going, listening to their talk and taking it in, we will soon become like them. It shows the depth of who we are. Who you fellowship with will show the service in your life of what you do for Christ. If they're faithful in service, you'll be faithful in service because your company will be likewise. If you're faithful to the reading of the word, if they're faithful to the reading of the word, together you will be able to iron, sharpen, iron. You'll be able to walk together and can't two walk together except they be agreed. The answer is absolutely not. Some people are more of a hindrance to you than a help. Do you know that? Some people hold you back, drag you down, and some people, we hold on to them so much, we feel that we must, with all of our hearts, rescue them or we will die. And that's not so. There are times when God blesses you by the removal of your hindrance. I'm going to say it again. There are times when God blesses you by the removal of your hindrance. I remember I was doing a funeral with a couple of retired Elam ministers some years back. And we were in the car and they were just talking generally about a certain issue. And one of them says, years ago, and he mentioned the time in his ministry, he says, God taught me that there was always that sweet subtraction to bring forth fruit through pruning. The older ministers, I listen to them as much as I can because they've been there. Listen, in your walk with Christ, in your walk with Christ, don't think of the person beside you or behind you. In your walk with Christ, You need to fellowship. Now, you reach out to others, but you need to fellowship with those of like faith. You need to walk with those of like faith. Be in conversation with those of like faith. If you're going and having your dinners and your meals with the unsaved and the backslider, guess what? It pollutes you to the point where you're continually in that fellowship. Listen, people say, I can get into the bar to witness. Rubbish. Full stop. Nonsense. Stand outside it before they go in and witness if you want. Rubbish. I told you before, there was a, a man who, we, who had come to Christ and he lived in the, put it in the brackets, the apartment block that I lived in, the flats that I lived in, my one-bedroom apartment uh, when I lived in Mount Vernon. I told Alison that I had a one-bedroom apartment, um, but it was a, a flat mountain. 
I loved it. Anyway, it was full of paramilitaries, full of them, prostitutes, drug addicts. I went to a prostitute sink and it was full of ring and I washed her house out for her to try and win her over. And they all came to Christ one by one. And when we first got married, Alison came up one time thinking, in the lift, nine floors up. <laughs> Country girl, you know, out in the middle of, no problems, Lord, please don't let anybody get in this lift. Please don't, never mind witness, don't let anybody get in this lift. And when she got out, they were all sitting in our apartment. I had a sat and witness to them and had them sitting along the city, taking them through the word. But one of them says to me one time, can you speak to me? And I went to talk to him. Call him David. And he had a, I told you before, he had a, a, a police record. He was taller than me and his hand was way up there. And he said, well, see my police record. And he had it up there and he let it go and held it by one end and it still didn't unravel at the floor. It's gone on so well in God. He went into a pub. Thankfully, it's knocked down. It's not there anymore. But he went into a pub. And he thought he'd go in to talk to his old friends up in Tiger's Bay. He was sitting talking to them and he had a Coke. Then he had a Shandy. Then he had a beer. And these two unsaved paramilitary men turned and said, Tell us something. This Jesus that you're saying is so wonderful and so brilliant. Why do you keep coming in here now and fellowshipping with us or sitting with us? If he's so brilliant, what are you doing here? Brothers and sisters, can I say something? See if Jesus is so brilliant in your life. What are you doing there? What are you doing there? To me, Jesus is so brilliant, I wouldn't take him in there because he lives in me. I would stood outside many of a one and I've witnessed outside the many of one, but I won't go in and partake with them. And not only in that, in other things, what are we doing? Committing to faithful men, he said, watch your company. Watch your fellowship. Listen, if you're going to swim in a relay race, you're not going to pick a team at the end of a row to join your relay race if they swim like a brick, are you? I know, none of them can swim. As soon as they jump in, they'll drown. I'll try and rescue them all. Guess what? You'll drown too. You'll drown too. There's nothing wrong with having the company as to witness to people. But there are those who live the life that the unsaved will live. Reach them by all means. But partake with them. No. He's saying, Timothy, watch your company, son, because there's so much going on. There's so much going on in the churches. There's so much going on outside the church. And he's saying, watch your company because they will drag you down to their level. In other words, you'll tell the depth of your ministry and you'll tell the depth of your walk with God in whom you fellowship with. That's the truth. It's the truth. I have nothing in common with my old friends. I love them. 
love them, but I have nothing in common with them. And it's rarely that I meet them. And when I do, I don't know what to say to them. With nothing in common. I go to speak to one of them. How are you doing? What are you doing now? Are you working? Yes, I. Where I used to spend days with them. Spirit isn't kindred anymore. You know why I've been born again? Watch where you take your children. Watch what you open them up to. Watch your company, Timothy. Is your company saved? Are they godly in their ways and in their mannerisms and in their speech? Listen, the person you spend most time with outside of your husband and wife, but the people or the persons you spend most time with, are they passionate about the Lord Jesus? Are they passionate about the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't mean, well, they say he's maybe his savior. Are they passionate about him? Do they love him? Do they have a heart for God and for his word? Do they have a heart for worship and for the house of God? Listen to Proverbs 13 and 12. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. Listen, in other words, you're not going to get clever or more intelligent walking around with a dunce. That's what he's saying. That's it in a, just a northern iron down the earth term. You're not, listen, if you're on around with stupid people, you're going to be stupid and do stupid things. That's just the way he means. But the wise, in other words, those who know God, you're running around with intelligent people, they'll help you along and they'll encourage you along. He that walketh with the wise shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Your life will come to ruin when you walk along and spend your time with fools. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Now, that doesn't mean to say it's, it's say that the old high now brown cow. That's not good manners. That's not what he means. It means a good lifestyle. It'll ruin your witness. If you are evil in communications or hanging around with gossipers, if you hang around with the malicious, the bitter, and you listen to it, you will become like them and you are in a companion. You are a companion of fools and you will be destroyed with them in your life. You'll go down the drain. Your spirituality cannot allow you. In other words, the Holy Ghost in you cannot allow a Christian, man or woman, cannot allow you to be in wrong company. He just says no. Now, if you don't have that, you need to go back to the cross. You need to go back to the cross. Psalm 26, verses 4 and 5. Listen to what the psalmist cries out. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go with dissemblers. Do you know what a dissembler is? That's not someone that takes something apart. A dissembler means a vain person, someone who takes something and then hides it. Someone who does something and then hides it. 
like Achan, under the tent. He took of the treasures rather than taking nothing, and he troubled Israel because he placed it under the tent. No one knew, and Israel were being slaughtered. But God saw it. But God saw it. And whittled right down through the tribes to the families, to the family, to the person who was under his tent. He was a dissembler. In other words, he was a secret sin bearer. Sinner, I should say. He was one of those who takes something, takes the snowball, throws it, and then places it under his tent with the innocent face. God says, I see not. Brother, sister, I see not. Neither will I go with the assemblers. Verse 5, he says, I have hated the congregation of evildoers. doesn't mean he hates the congregation. He means he hates the congregation, those who are, go out of their way. The congregation are the called out. Called out of Israel were the congregation. The called out of the nation were, in other words, it was like the church in Israel. And we are the congregation, the called out from the world in our nation. But the congregation are also those who go out of their way to cause trouble. He says, I have hated the congregation of evildoers. I will not sit with the wicked. I refuse to. I refuse to sit with those who don't walk right. So look out for faithful company and that which you've heard it hasn't been done in a corner. It hasn't been hidden. It's not like Achan's sin under the tent floor, buried in the sand. No, he says, I have done it in the open, Timothy. I have preached it. I'm not ashamed of it. Now take it and look for men who are faithful and you can give it to those who will pass it on to others. So brothers and sisters, this morning, commit thou to faithful men. Watch your company. Watch who you dine with. Watch who's around your dinner table. Watch where you go in the world. Thirdly, let's move to the next one. Here's one. Thirdly, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. He says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure hardness as a good soldier of of Jesus Christ. When you think to hear today, Christians today feel that everything in this Christian walk is meant to be hearts and flowers. It's meant to be candy floss and sweet things, fluffy clouds and harps, white picket fences and little bells to ring in the church. And we all go home with big hearts bursting around us. Wouldn't you think that's what it is? The, the liberalized Christian so-called church has it, uh, that it, it's become a, a hippie movement to the point where it's, it's effeminate. The church has become effeminized. It's become even uh, so effeminized that, that men no longer can be men and women can no longer be women in the church, but there is no clear divisional lines. Here, the, the, the apostle tells us, endure hardness. 
It's not going to be hearts and flowers. Can they floss and clouds and so on? It's not going to be like that. In other words, when a man and a woman come to Christ, it's a battle, it's a war. You've entered the battle. You aren't deployed to Afghanistan with your, your sun cream and, and your swimming togs under your arm and, and your towel. You know, you're not going to lie in the sand and soak up the sun and say hello to the Afghanis out there. You're going to the, the ISIS or whoever it is, the Taliban. You're going to fight. And before you fight, you must war, train to war. You must train to war. For example, endure here in Mark 4 and 16. The Lord Jesus is talking about the parable of the sower and the four types of ground that the seed, the word of God falls on. The, the, the wayside, the thorny, the stony, and the good ground is where obviously it springs forth. But look what it says in Mark 4 and 16. When they have heard the word, this is people of the stony ground hearers. When they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Do you see if I could bring back everyone that I've talked to who have either fallen away for Christ or left because of an offensive thing that they've heard? I could fill this church many times over. I'm not just talking about in here, from here. I'm talking about in, in, in my Christian walk. If I, if I was to tell you that the word here for endure, it means that there has to be a rooting before there can be a growing. There has to be a rooting before there can be a growing. In other words, they have no root. They go through that little fine covering of soil and their roots start to grow, but they hit the rock and grow no more. So they start growing up the way too. And as they grow up, the wind may be coming as raining or the sun's too hot and there's nothing to draw nourishment in from. And soon, oh, it just dies. The plant dies. Such are some men and women who are professing Christ and then they have this point that something comes in their life and some trouble happens or some sickness comes along or someone has a, an accident or, or whatever it is. And the root, there's no root. They, 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 they've been going well because things are going well. They're doing great because it's what they want at the time. They're doing fantastic because everything is like their picket fence and the hearts and the forest, but then they realize affliction or persecution come. And you know what happens? They start to realize, this isn't what I thought. How many times have you heard someone say, I never thought a Christian would be like that? I could put every finger, hand and toe up, and if I had six needs hands, I'd still give them up. I could still put up. Because, uh, because we're all on this road, and we have to have an endurance that sees past the affliction, that sees past the trouble, that sees past the persecution, that endures it, bends with the wind, but has roots down in the word to drink up the nourishment. So Paul says, Timothy, it's the same word endure here, same word in the Greek for this English word. He says, 
Timothy, see if you're going to endure, son. You have deep roots. Remember that. Remember your mother and your grandmother. Remember the prayers. Remember the faith that they had. Remember what was put into you. Remember you're, you're in the Word. You see, there's too many people are going to places where it's just let's all, uh, let's all sing all day and there's no Word given. Or let's, let's go to a place and it's all just little illustration. Or let's go to somewhere and, and it's some sort of mongrelized version of God's Word to make people feel good all the time. But God says, no, let them have roots. Grow them in the Word. Let the roots grow down. And don't be just putting baby bio on it that you put on the plants all the time and talk to your flowers and pat them. You know, some people stroke the plants and all that sort of stuff. And, and many Christians expect that. This is the way it's to be. Stroke me. Squirt me with your baby bio, pastor. You know, I need to grow. And the idea is, no, get into the Word and grow. Understand them. Get the roots down. The roots down, for it's in him you find it, not in the pastor. When your roots are deep, you'll drink deep. The root of the word. And notice what he says. For when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Do you know what the term here, offended, means? It means to say, it means they start to look for somebody else to blame. That's what it means. They start to look for an offense. I'm going to blame the pastor. I'm going to blame his wife. I'm going to blame somebody else. It's their fault. And he says, no, no. It's because you hadn't roots in the first place. Or you would have went on. Get deeply rooted in Christ and his word and not in the world and its children. Grow roots. Drink deep. Bear fruit. Second Timothy 2 and 3, Paul says, endure hardness as a good soldier. Listen, listen to what Paul, listen to Paul enduring hardness. I'm not, there's too much to read out and time's flying on. Second Timothy 2 and 10, but he says, I endure Timothy. I endure all things. Now, Paul has been in the in shipwrecked and he spent all night in the deep, as he says. He, he's been um, bobbing about in the water, not knowing he was going to be rescued. Maybe the, the sharks are swimming around him, I don't know. And he, Paul has been uh, beat with the rod of the Jews. Five occasions he's been whipped by them. He's been stoned and left as though he were dead. You know, and all of these things, Paul says, I've done this, I've had this, I've had this. And he gives us a catalogue of things. He's been imprisoned. He's been all sorts and all manner of things. He's been chased from city to city and town to town. And Paul says this, I endure all things. Why? For the elect's sake. Ah, what do you mean, Paul? That they may also obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Do you know what he's saying? Look, see if people are watching me. People are looking and saying, Paul the Apostle. And Paul the Apostle has a hard time. 
And Paul the Apostle goes through a difficult situation. See, if I don't rise, yes, I may be weak. Yes, I may seek the Lord. Yes, I may cry unto him. Yes, I may even ask why. Yes, I may even murmur at him at times, he says. But the roots are deep. And see, if I don't go on in God, the elect need to hear the word. God has put me somewhere on this planet to bring the word to the elect, the lost sheep. He says, that's why I'm enduring Timothy. Because listen, you may be the only Bible that someone will ever read. I wonder what version they're getting. I wonder what version they're hearing. Paul's endurance, your endurance and mine, is not for us to save ourselves, but by our endurance, the elect will hear and know of Christ. In other words, we must preach to every creature. But if we are not walking, if we are not serving, if we are not living for Christ, there are those out there who are dying, and they may have made a, missed an opportunity because of your life. Imagine that. 2 Timothy 4 and 5, listen to what Paul says. But watch thou in all things endure afflictions. Come on, he says. All right, Timothy, you're getting it tough. I'm not going to do the, as I mentioned, the baby bio and stroking the leaves and talking to the plant stuff. I'm not going to do that, Timothy, because you have deep roots. He says, come on, endure this affliction. Come on, your roots are deep, you can do it. Come on, dig deep, you can do it. You can find grace, you can find love, you can find mercy, you can find forgiveness. Come on, he says, dig deep, he says, and take it for the elect's sake. There's people dying without Christ. That's what he's saying here. Church, there's men and women out there, and they're dying without Christ. And we wonder who's going to put the new light bulb in. We wonder how many how many hymn books we're going to take in or take out or what we're going to do with it. And people are dying without Christ. Pastor said something. That's what I not going back. That's happened a million times. That's not for one person or anybody in particular. Listen, this isn't what Paul's speaking of. Listen, you can go online with today's technology. You know what you can see? Young men, women, and children with their footage being placed on their valley, Christians. And ISIS and Islamic fundamentalists standing on their back or putting their knee, pulling them up with their head and taking it right off. I've seen it. I've watched it. It was sent to me long ago. I knew all I have to say. Allah Akbar. And reject Christ. And these kids are saying no. We'll have a lot to answer for. He says, endure, the, endure afflictions. Listen, do the work of evangelist. Keep witnessing. I can't, but Paul. 
Do you not know, Paul, I'm a young man, and there's all these temptations out there, and there's all these trials in the church, there's all the people wanting to kill us out there, and all the false gods, and all the heathenism, and all the humanism, and all this, that, and the other. And the word's going to pot, and he says, yes, I do, because I'm in it. He says, but you have deep roots. Keep serving God. Keep reaching out. Make full proof of thy ministry, he says. Show them that God has called you, brother. Stand for the word and for the truth of it. Show them, sister, that you're a child of God. Make it in your life. Show them. And how you live your life will determine, for others won't see it. And how we speak, how we, how we contain our spirit. Listen, see if we're, see if we're always flying off the handle, angry and violent and all these sort of things. Listen, where's the Holy Ghost in this? The Lord's not looking for you to say, Lord, here I am, oh, such a lovely presence, and then go and start fighting with the world. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Hebrews 12 and 7 says, If ye endure chastening, listen to this, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. <laughs> so in other words, whenever we go astray, and God comes down on us like a father, then you just thank him for it. Because he could let you go. If he let you go, you'd be lost. It's only by his grace we're kept in power. All of us. All of us. Endure chastening. We know in our own heart when we're not right. And the Lord comes down heavy on us and things happen. You go, oh, but I don't like this. No, Lord, I, I don't want to go through this. And he says, well, you know what? You need to be taken into the woodshed. You need to be taken into the woodshed and the, the old four battalion. You're not allowed to do it anymore. I did, but I'll leave that with you. God deal with you as sons. Notice he didn't deal with you as not his children, but as his children. So this old teaching that God doesn't chastise or deal with us anymore as Christians, nonsense. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Nor is you're not a son if he lets you get on with it. First Peter 2 and 9, For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief suffering wrongfully. Now listen, if you're suffering wrongfully, he says, you know what's good? Leave it with God and he'll sort them out. Did you hear me, brother, sister? Do you see if you know in your heart you're, you're right, this is wrong. Leave it with God and he will sort it out. He'll take them and sort them out. Don't go and fight that battle. You don't need to. The battle is not yours, it's God's. He will sort them out. He will take charge. He will do it on your behalf. So in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 to 6, Paul gives us three fine examples of endurance. The first one is a soldier. The first one is a soldier. Now therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Notice no man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. In other words, if you're going to be a soldier, you're set aside and you're trained. And you know what he wants to do? He says, you should be saying, Lord, I want to please you so much. Put me through what you have to to make me a soldier of yours. You have chosen me for this. Then I'm willing to fight. 
The second one is an athlete. Notice. If a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. That's the athlete. In other words, the man who's striving for masteries gives the idea of an athlete either wrestling or something like the Olympic Games or, or running in a race. And he says, unless you train for it, you're told when to eat, how to eat, what to eat. You're told when to get up, when to train, when to sleep. And you're pushed to your very limit. But it's for your benefit. He says, now that's striving lawfully. People just don't get in there. Now, I'll be honest. I used to be really, really fit. Now I'm really, really fit for nothing. And I know some of you running, cycling, whatever you do. If I was going on a run, if I was going to run with you at the minute, or go and get on a bike and cycle with you, I think my two hips would pop out and my legs would fall off. I'm just telling you the truth. I don't think I would make it a half a mile up. Right here is running all these mileys, isn't it? The only run I do is I say to Al's mom, go out for a run in the car. We'll try and fix that, you know, but anyway. So you have to train for it. I wouldn't go and say, I want to get into the Olympics and I want to run the 100-meter sprint. They're going to go off and they'd be at the end and I still wouldn't be at the, I'd still be at the starting blocks. I hadn't trained for it. I wouldn't have done it lawfully. And Paul says, if you want to receive your crown, you must go through things. You must strive lawfully and run the race. Keep running the race. And when you get there, you'll receive a crown of life. And then the third one is a farmer. He says, if a husbandman that laboreth must first be partakers of the fruit. He says, the, the farmer just doesn't stand and watch. Isn't that right, Kingsley? Farmer just doesn't stand and watch. He doesn't stand with a bag of grain on his hands and say, right, grow, grow. You have to put some effort in, don't you? You have to labor at it. You have to, whatever you do. <laughs> don't you? I'm, not a, I'm a Belfast man, you know, I'm a silly slicker. But you have to put it in, you have to turn it, you have to turn over the ground, you have to labor at it. And he says, so when you see it growing, you can take the fruit of it. And he says, a farmer must do that. So he gives three ideas of endurance and of enduring with, you know, the farmers used to maybe growing up on the farm. The athlete has been training for a long time. The soldier has been laid aside for weeks while he's trained how to warfare. And he says, unless you go through it, you'll never make it any further than where you are. In other words, if you don't go through the apprenticeship, you'll never get the full title. Lastly, is consider what I say, and this is shorter. The word here for consider, it means exercise your mind. Brother, sister, exercise your mind what we have went through these last two weeks. It means to ponder, to think, because battles are fought and won, or battles are fought and lost in the mind. I'll say it again. Battles are fought and won, or battles are fought and lost in your mind. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. In other words, the Christian must war as a soldier, strive as an athlete, labor as an husbandman. Why? To understand his Savior and his God. There are many labor uh, considers. Um, here's a few. I'll just round them off and not stop with them. Jesus says, consider the lilies of the field. We're to consider creation and see how great our God is in these things. Consider the ravens, the unclean bird, how he still even feeds them. It's called general grace. 
That's in Luke chapter 12 and 24. Matthew 6 and 20, it was consider lilies of the field. Second Timothy 2 and 7, he says, consider what I say. Hebrews 3 and 1, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. And in Hebrews 12 and 3, for consider him not endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. In other words, listen, see whenever you can't make it. Do you see when you're down in the dumps? Do you see when you're so low and you're distraught and you can take no more? Do you see when your mind is totally bereft of any thinking? It can't go anymore that you are shrunken in your brain. See when you're like that. You have to then consider your God. Consider your Savior. Consider the laboring. Consider the husbandman or the farmer. Consider a soldier. Consider an an athlete. And consider what the apostle says. He says that God himself came in flesh. Consider Jesus. He took it. And listen, see if they talk about him, they'll talk about you. And see if they hate him, they'll hate you. See if they despise him, they'll despise you. And see, if they don't, there's something wrong with you. (laughs) Hello? If they don't, there's something wrong with your walk. So when you're in through affliction, praise God. I read this to close. John Wesley's diary, founder of Methodism. This is brilliant. Sunday a.m., 5th of May. Preached in St. Anne's. Was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday p.m., the 5th of May, preached in St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday a.m., the 12th of May, preached in St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday a.m., 19th of May, preached at St. Somebody Else's. Deacons had a meeting and said, I couldn't come back there either. Sunday p.m., the 19th of May, Preached on the street. Just simply right, kicked off the street. Sunday a.m., the 26th of May, preached in the meadow. Chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose during the service. Sunday a.m., the 2nd of June, preached at the edge of town. And he just writes, kicked off the highway. It's John Wesley now. Listen. Sunday p.m., 2nd of June, preached in the pasture. 10,000 came to hear me. 10,000 came to hear me. What if he had a stop the day before? What if he had a stop that morning when he was kicked off the highway and said, I've had enough. What if he had a stop? 10,000 came to hear him. And he saved England along with his brother Charles and his hymns from a French Revolution style in Britain. You don't know what's ahead of you. That's a positive push in the right direction. Sometimes we stand on toes. Sometimes it helps. But listen, it's meant with the right heart. A positive push in the right direction. God bless us all. Thank you for your attention.